Two weeks ago on Monday, we were at the Network Council, which is a gathering of all the ministers in New Jersey. Of We represent 230 churches or about over 300 ministers there. And on Monday afternoon, our superintendent, Don James, delivered a message to the ministers in our network entitled, Beyond Babylon. And I'm telling you, for two weeks, all that I have thought about has been his message. There are messages that you can relate to that's a turning point in your life. And really, his message becomes a springboard for what I'm going to talk about the next two weeks. He talked about that we live in a critical time. Think of the time that we live in today. I went back and read all the minutes from, 19, uh, from 1930 to 1960, uh, uh, the church, and I, I'm just laughing, you know, because it was a different era. And then I was thinking of my life from 1960 to 1990, of, of growing up as a kid, getting married in that year, and I, I thought, man, how diverse these 30 years are from those 30 years. And then I look back at the last 30 years of where we are today, and it's like, wow. Society, culture has changed so much. And to quote our superintendent, he says, we live in a post-Christian era where we are more concerned about secular views than biblical views. He says, we really today live in a culture that is anti-Christian. And he said, the words of Isaiah 5.20, see, come on, in watching the news, in scrolling through social media, Do not these words ring true today? Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And though I'm reminded that really this does describe the culture of today, I'm also reminded that it's our time as the church of Jesus Christ to let the light pierce and penetrate the darkness that is over this world today. It's our time. And as I've been reading through the book of Acts, and on Wednesday nights we've been studying the book of Acts in our Bible study, All throughout these past few weeks, once again, I'm reminded why we need the Holy Spirit. Though it is a critical time, and it is a critical time. And even though it's our time, we as the church of Jesus Christ need to be reminded that the effectiveness of the church today 
strictly and solely depends upon the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the only answer for what this culture holds today. I'm reminded of Acts, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power. And let me tell you something. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to deal with the issues that we are dealing with today at hand. Why we need the Holy Spirit? Well, it's kind of a little different today, a little different spin. But I thought of four areas why it's so critical in this critical time of why we need the power of the Holy Spirit in the culture we live in. We need, first, the power of the Holy Spirit, which will enable us to think God thoughts, to think like God thinks. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. That's why this world thinks like it does, because they're without the Spirit. And, and, and to them, it's foolishness. And he cannot understand them because the things of God are spiritually discerned. It's the Holy Spirit that discerns truth. Now, from the day I was born, I went to church. Up to the age of 16, I can remember going to church, going to Sunday school, yes, I had the Sunday school pin for perfect attendance. And then the second year, you got the wreath. And then you got the bars that hung down for perfect. How, how many remember those? Yeah, thank you. I remember sitting in Mrs. Wise's class. She made us learn memory verses. And I'm telling you, for the first 16 years of my life, all it was was one big story. It was just story after story after story. But I remember one Sunday sitting in the Fairmount Methodist Church on the left-hand side with a group of other teenagers. It wasn't because the pastor spoke a better message. It wasn't because we sang three of my favorite hymns with just the organ that Sunday. It wasn't because the service was more anointed than any before. But at the end of that service, there was something that I allowed happen. I allowed the Holy Spirit to penetrate the depths of my heart and I realized I was a sinner and I needed Jesus Christ in my life. And when I received Jesus Christ in my life, I'm telling you, this book was no longer a story. All of a sudden, every word on every page became alive because it was a spirit that was born within me, that was given to me at, at regeneration when I became born again. It was the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, that revealed the truth. And all of a sudden, it was alive. And it burned in my heart. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit reveals the truth. But men, without the Spirit, they don't accept the things that come from God. Listen, I, let, I don't want to go way off on this, but let me just say this. 
That's why in some states, and yes, in New Jersey, there's a ban on conversion therapy. You guys know what conversion therapy is? For adolescents, it is against the law to try to convert them from feeling different ways concerning gender identity, sexual orientation, and gender expression. You can't, you, as a parent, you have no control over your child if they start expressing that. I'm concerned. But it boils down to men without the spirit, they don't understand. They can't identify with what Paul told the church at Corinth. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexual immoral or the idolaters or the adulterers or the male prostitutes nor homosexual offenders, nor the thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor the swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. But come on, somebody. And that is what some of you were, past tense. Aren't you glad for the transformation that the Holy Spirit makes upon the lives of people? The transforming power of the Holy Spirit. I'm glad I'm not what I once was. Because we were washed We were sanctified. We were justified in the name of Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. We know that, but people without the Spirit think that's foolishness. So therefore, let's put a ban on conversion therapy because there's, you know, if they want to identify and they want to explore and that's how they really feel, then, then, you know, we shouldn't go against it. Well, thank God that he transforms All right, let me give this one other illustration. Reading the book of Acts. This book is always alive. And no matter how many times you read it, the Spirit of God always reveals new truths in it. I was reading Acts chapter 1, verse 5. Jesus says, For I baptize you with water, But in a few days, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Come on, how exciting is that? Because we know what it entailed. I'm like, yes. And all of a sudden, I read the next verse, and I just start laughing. The next verse says, so when they met together, they asked him, Lord, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? (laughs) In essence, this is what they are saying. Great, Lord wonderful, but we're more concerned about uh, restoring the control of Israel because we're tired of the Roman uh, domination. We're, we're tired of, of the oppression, and, and we, we want to rule the land, Lord. Hey, it, it's great, but this, we're, we're more concerned about this. We're more concerned about the political. Jesus is more concerned about the spiritual. They were more concerned about ruling and reigning. Jesus was more concerned about the church establishing power and building the kingdom of God. But we know after the day of Pentecost, boy, there was a wonderful transformation that took place in all the lives of the disciples. But when he, remember the Holy Spirit is never in it. He is the third person of the Trinity. 
when he, the spirit of truth, comes. He will guide you in all truth. I'm telling you, in the critical hour we live in, we need the power of the Holy Spirit, which will enable us to lead us in truth and think God thoughts. Secondly, this, one, this one's going to stretch you a little bit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to enable us to share in God's emotions. Now, I know that may stretch you, but let me say this. We were made in the image of God. And we have emotions. Don't we have emotions? Yeah, anybody raised teenagers before? Yeah, mm-hmm. there's emotions. That's why drama takes place, because emotions. Do you know what God feels? Do you know what makes God happy? Do you know what makes God sad? Do you know what makes God angry? We need the power of the Holy Spirit, which will enable us to share in God's emotions. Isaiah, the prophet, speaking on behalf of God. This is a prophecy about Jesus. Here is my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one, in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. When I read this delight, I'm I'm wondering, Lord, do I bring you delight? God, does my life bring you delight like the life of your son, Jesus Christ? And in Isaiah chapter 1, Isaiah is speaking to a rebellious nation. Your new moon festivals and your appointed festivals, my soul hates. Why does God hate them? Because he hates anything that they put before him. He hates idolatry. He hates anything in your life that takes precedent over him. He hates anything that becomes more important than him. Because he wants to be number one in your life. God the Father shares in joys, but we also see the emotion of anger and hate in the Old Testament. Do you know three times it talks about Jesus crying in the Bible? Talk about emotions? The first one you probably know because it was the memory verse you all picked to learn. Jesus wept. I mean, that's, does it get any simpler? <laughs> And he wept at the graveside of Lazarus. But then on his last week, when he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace. He wept over the lost condition of the, of, of the Israelites. When was the last time you wept over your community? When was the last time you wept over the lost souls of Freehold or Freehold Township, Farmingdale, Howe, Manalpin, Marlboro, Millstone, where whatever community you represent, when was the last time you wept 
over the lost souls of humanity and prayed, oh, if they would only know what would bring them peace. And then Hebrews chapter 5, during the last days, Jesus on earth, he offered up prayer. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers, petition with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. God the Father, God the Son. Hey, let's talk about the Holy Spirit for a moment and his emotions. Did you know that you can cause the Holy Spirit pain? In the book of Ephesians, Paul writes these words. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. But only what is helpful for building up others. And then he says, and do not grieve. Do not pain. Do not cause the Holy Spirit sorrow with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of bitterness. Get rid of rage. Get rid of anger. Get rid of brawling. Get rid of slander along with every form of malice. This is what grieves the Holy Spirit. And be kind, compassionate to one another, forgiving one another. Oh, how we need the power of the Holy Spirit in this critical hour so we can think God thoughts, so we can feel what God feels. How we need the power of the Holy Spirit in this critical time so that we can pray according to God's will. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. I'm going to come back to this because I'm going to need the power of the Holy Spirit to help me in a weakness, and I'll let you know in a minute. Aren't you glad for his help in your weak times? We do not know what or how we ought to pray, but the Spirit intercedes within us. Do you know there are two main intercessors? Now, I'm thankful for all of you who pray for me, you're, you're my intercessors. For those who lift up the name of Pastor Jeff, you're interceding for me. I thank you. But there are two main intercessors. In Romans 8, 34, it talks how Jesus sits at the right hand of God the Father, always making intercession on behalf. Jesus Christ intercedes for us. But then we read about the Holy Spirit who lives within us here on earth. He also intercedes for us. Do you know what I wonder sometimes? I wonder where I would be today if it wasn't for Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit praying for me. Interceding for me with groans. Have you ever cried about something and you cried so much you couldn't cry anymore? It was just like, <laughs> when we can't cry anymore, those groans, the Spirit intercedes with words that cannot be expressed. And let me take it one step further. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 14, 14, if I pray in tongues, my spirit prays. 
Now, this is not a message about speaking in tongues, but it's something in the Word of God that you can't deny. And I know sometimes it makes people a little awkward or feel a little squirmish or like, oh, I don't know. Maybe it's good for you, but I don't know. Listen, call me up. Let's go out for breakfast. Let's go out for lunch. Come in my office with, you know, uh, with a, I don't know, I, I say a cold brew. And when I say cold brew, I don't mean a cold brew. I mean a coffee cold brew. And we'll talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because there have been in times in my life where I did not know how to pray for situations. And I thank God for a personal prayer language that the Holy Spirit gave me that prayed on my behalf. And when you pray and you allow the Holy Spirit to intercede, it says he always prays in accordance with God's will. You want God's will in your life, then allow the Holy Spirit to intercede on your behalf. In this critical hour, we need the power of the Holy Spirit to think God thoughts so we can feel like God feels, so we can pray according to his will. But last, we need the power of the Holy Spirit, which will enable us to do the work of God. Isaiah, I mean, Zechariah the prophet. So he said to me, God said to Zechariah, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Now, okay, for those who do not know church history, you have to know about Zerubbabel. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't you want to name your kid that today? I think that'd be so cool. <laughs> Can you see, look, my name's Zerubbabel. <laughs> Now let's come full circle beyond Babylon. In 500 and in 400 and some, they, remember when the Israels were taken captive, taken to Babylon for 70 years, Jerusalem, the temple, all destroyed, wiped out. And the children of God were held captive in Babylon. Persian overthrew Babylon and in 538 BC the king of Persia allowed people to come back to Jerusalem you can read about it in the book of Ezra but only 50,000 came back you know why because of after 70 years in a new culture all of a sudden they grew accustomed to that culture. They grew, the, the, culture, the culture was different, but it became them. And, and what happens is so many times, and when I look back at the 30s and the 60s, and I see some of the things, and what we've gotten away from, and how we accept some of the things today, it's like, oh my goodness, we've just accepted a culture and things that have been forced upon us, oh well, 50,000 came back under the leadership of Zerubbabel. And after two years there, getting their homes together, they started work on the temple. Does anybody know when they started to work on the temple, 
what was the first thing they did? They rebuilt the altar of God to establish the worship of God in their culture once again. And then they started to lay the foundation of the temple. And let me tell you something. When you start to begin God's work once again, there's going to be opposition. And you can read it in the book of Ezra. As soon as they started laying the foundation, opposition arose. People from Samaria came and wanted to help. The Israelites wouldn't let them help because they were heathen worshipers. And they didn't want them working on God's temple. Well, all of a sudden, they didn't like that they couldn't work on the temple. And it says they, 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 they hired counselors. And before you know it, the, the king of Prussia halted the work. And for 15 years, there was no work done on that temple, God's house. And these are when the words, Zechariah, came to Zerubbabel. It's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by my spirit, thus saith the Lord. And in four years, the temple was completed. Now I'm going to change my posture because what I want to share, I don't want to preach. I just want to share my heart. I was sitting there that Monday saying, but how does this relate to us today because we're not like the Israelites. We're not in captivity. Until our superintendent said these words. Digital Babylon. Digital Babylon. Screens, computers, cell phones. Listen, thank God. That they are useful. But have we been held captive by them? And I'm sitting there. I'm like, wow. He told this story. He was invited as a guest to attend the Masters down in Augustus, Georgia. And did you know at the Masters, they do not allow cell phones in? He says, you should have seen 100,000 people trying to give up their cell I mean, what would you do if you walked into a place and they said, give me your cell phone? But no, I need it. Because we're held captive. I was out to lunch yesterday with Heather and my mother-in-law. And the table right across from me, a mother and a daughter sitting down for lunch. I said, how cool is that? They didn't speak the whole time. One was like this and the other was like this. I'm, I'm serious. And there's been times, you know, I go out with someone before I know it. I'm, I'm like, well, stop. I was at a missions committee on Thursday and uh, down at the network office. And, it, you know, they, they, the guys bring their laptops to the screen. And, and this is how meetings used to be. Today, it's different. You know what they do today? And it's not as obvious, but they're not checking times. They got their Apple phones there, and they're just looking at all their messages that they're getting, like something can't wait. 
Let me ask this question. Is it more important when you wake up in the morning for the first thing you do is say good morning, Holy Spirit? Or are you anxious about seeing what's taking place in everybody else's life? And I sat there two weeks ago Monday, totally convicted. Because I've only been on social media since the pandemic. When COVID broke out, I wanted to stay in touch with people. And before I know it, my kids are making me a Facebook. Now I'm on Instagram. Before I know it, I'm, and I got, ah! And I didn't, I sat there Monday morning, Monday afternoon. I didn't want to just make an emotional decision. For the past two weeks, I've been really praying, Lord, am I captive to digital media? Because it changes how we think and how we feel and how we do. There's a lot of good stuff, but sometimes our balance becomes way off. And we need to go in for an alignment. And over the past two weeks, I've really prayed, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want? And this is my own personal conviction. And I'm not one to push personal conviction on other people. But next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost is 50. Do you know what the Lord challenged me with? Take a 50-day break next Sunday from social media. So I'm just warning you, if I stop liking, I don't like anything anymore anyway, but if If you need to post something, and that's your only way of posting it, like your grandchild's pregnant, you know, call me instead because I'm not going to see it. Pentecost Sunday, next Sunday, I'm taking a 50-day break from social media. Done. Bleed, delete, delete, done. Just as an experiment, my own personal conviction, because I need to move beyond digital Babylon. And it's just not removing this, but it's replacing it with the Word of God. And the hour I'll waste, what everybody's eating and where they're going and what they're doing. And we laugh, but that's all it is, usually. I can take an hour and feed myself with God's Word. Pastor Bonnie, you can come. And if anybody wants to join me, it's fine. If you have no conviction about it, that's fine. But maybe over this next week, just pray about it. Don't let it just be an emotional appeal. But maybe you really sense what I've been sensing, that it's time to move beyond digital Babylon. And to focus more on His Holy Spirit. If you want to join me next week, that's where I'm going to need help. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness because it, it becomes such a habit. I think what I'm going to do is change my password to something that's re- totally ridiculous. So I, it won't even be a temptation. I don't know the password anymore. Would you pray with me? Spirit of the living God. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh 
Spirit of Spirit of the living God, fresh on me. Spirit of the living God, flow.